0: Hello everyone. I'm Martin. It's very nice to see you, even though I can't see you. Hello. Anyway, I'm married to Meg and she's holding the words up for me to read and you can't see her. And I'm in her studio with her paintings, which bring me great joy. Another place I find joy is on the doorstep on Thursday evenings, clapping, cheering, looking around at our neighbours on their doorsteps or leaning out of their windows banging saucepans with the rolling pins, whooping. A sacred moment. Every week, same time, same place. We show up and like that verse in the Bible says, we make a joyful noise and then it's all over. It's part affirmation and it's part solidarity. It's definitely gratitude and also somehow it's saying that this is who we are. Here's something that we share. We believe in those who care for others. We don't just believe in looking out for ourselves, we believe in looking after each other. And then this unlikely window in our lockdown is closed again, but the light that it lets in is not completely extinguished. I am left briefly illuminated, full of a glow that I can't quite put a name to. Some of you will have been on political marches, demos, remember, before all this? Thousands of us, winding our way through city centres, cleared of all the cars, holding up our witty banners, demanding an end to all this, or a beginning to that. On one level, they never seem to work. Those policies were not scrapped. Those people are still getting away with it. Still, when we're allowed, I'll probably be on the next march. The thing is that this kind of action is not merely instrumental, it's existential. It's not just about what will be different next month, or next year, it's about who we think we are. Now even though many demonstrations are really boring and badly organised, and the speeches are rubbish, and then it rains, still, they often give me a shiver, a sense I can't quite name of something rising amongst all these people. A sense that this world could be better. And so I confess with some embarrassment that sometimes when I march, I find my eyes well up. I'm getting a little teary. And I remember in my Bible, those words from the book of Arundhati Roy, where she writes, another world is not only possible, she is on her way. On a quiet day, I can hear her breathing. And then I remember the name for what I'm feeling and the name is joy. In the spring of 2020, we have no reason to expect joy. It feels like a kind of denial to even begin looking for it. Sadness is everywhere. Every day we hear of someone fallen ill with the virus, someone who's died, friends losing their job, or cannot pay the rent, people's future disappearing. People tired of being alone, not sleeping. Grandparents who become untouchable. Someone has pressed the pause button on history and we're all in freeze frame on the screen. Normal service will not be resumed. It's just when we might be feeling abandoned or forgotten or given up that joy sometimes shows up. For instance, if you're in the fields on the night shift in first century Palestine, hungry, cold, counting sheep by moonlight, This is when a messenger arrives with one of the most famous lines in history. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This angelic reporter doesn't announce happiness or contentment. She doesn't bring good news of great glee. It is joy that is the promise, just when there shouldn't be any joy. This is because joy is often an act of defiance The singer-songwriter Tracy Thorne described how one December, a few years ago, Christmas was overshadowed as their family waited for the results of a medical test. Later, she wrote a beautiful song called Joy. Take a listen when you can. When someone very dear calls you with the words, everything's all clear, that's what you want to hear, but you know it might be different in the new year. That's why we hang the lights so high. It's because of the dark we see the beauty in the spark. The song, she says, is about Christmas being a sort of defiance of darkness. We have to strive for joy even in the face of its opposite. Sometimes we choose joy. Joy is an act of defiance, an act in favour of a world that we want to believe in, that much of the time we can't find the words for. In their long struggle for freedom, the Palestinians talk of the beautiful resistance. Joy is a word in the lexicon of that beautiful resistance. Sometimes we choose joy, other times joy chooses us. It wells up inside from some hidden depth. It catches us unaware. A holy thing, a moment of divine kidnap, and it may not hang about. The Israeli poet Yehuda Amichai writes of the blurriness of joy. He says, we have all these words for pain, throbbing, wrenching, burning, sharp, dull, but our language for joy is plainer. The blurriness of joy and the precision of pain, he says, I learnt to speak among the pains. Most of us learn to speak among the pains. The language of joy is harder to learn. This is why there are no joy studies. There are happiness studies. Happiness is now a science. It can be weighed and measured. It helps us chart a way towards health and fulfillment. For instance, once our essential needs are secure, shelter, sustenance, safety, we know that happiness is embedded in good relationships. But joy, joy is not so quantifiable. It is, as the poet says, Blurry. Joy reminds me of how the 14th century mystic Meister Eckhart described the divine. God is like a person who coughs while hiding. So too, joy, the mischievous rustle in the long grass of your life, and the disappearance, the momentary intuition that all will be well. We learn about these fruits of the Spirit in a letter that Paul, the early Christian teacher, writes to a community of people in somewhere called Galatia. They were having a massive fight about who was in and who was out, about the marks of the true followers of Jesus. And some people, as you know, are still having that fight. Okay, says Paul, here's nine signs of a good life. Let's call them spiritual fruits. What to look for when your life is rooted in divine earth. Some of these fruits, kindness or self-control or patience, we can cultivate over time as we practice our faith. But joy is different. It is both something we can be awake for and also something that wakes us up. And unlike happiness, joy is not the opposite of sadness. In fact, this strange gladness may sometimes disclose itself in our sadness, even in the hardest of times that many of us face today. Joy is defiant. Joy will show up. The psalmist puts it like this. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Joy is a stream bubbling up from deep within the human soul, from the essence of us, from the place which remembers we are made of love. Unexpected, unannounced, joy will surprise us. In a lovely phone conversation, in the song of a bird, A card that says, someone understands. Reconnecting with an old friend. In the success of someone else. In some deep communion, maybe a moment in a prayer when silence finally quietens your mind. Or in tears of our loss. An email arrived this morning from a poet friend describing his bewilderment and loss with the death of his mother. But the photo that came with the email showed his mother as a young woman in a look of laughter and unrestrained delight as she held her baby son. The sheer look of joy on her face, unguarded, not posed, he writes, that's a rare thing to encounter, and I'm grateful. Henry Nowen said that this life was a time in which sadness and joy kiss each other at every moment This life, sadness, but also joy. We won't find joy in the same places as each other, but joy is always there and she will always surprise us. If not tonight, in the morning.